हेलो एवरीवन एंड वेलकम टू अवंतिका डिजाइनरिंग सीरीज और एडीएस एस वी लाइक टू कॉल इट एवरी वीक ऑन वेडनेसडे वी फीचर डिजाइन एंड टेक्नोलॉजी लीडर्स हु शेयर दर प्रोफेशनल जर्नी दर थॉट्स ऑन दर डोमेन ऑफ वर्क एंड डिजाइनरिंग वेर द वर्ल्ड ऑफ डिजाइन एंड इंजीनियरिंग मीट मेक श्योर यू फॉलोअर्स ऑन सोशल मीडिया इंस्टाग्राम लिंकड इन फेसबुक एंड ट्विटर एंड विद दैट लेट्स कंटिन्यू विद योर शो In the utter chaos of information products and services designing something unique and relevant can be a pretty daunting task to overcome the challenges faced in the process designers need to empathize with the users and understand the root of the problem they aim to solve along with empathy a good sense of storytelling on the designer's part can help get the user emotionally more invested with a product but how can designers implement empathetic storytelling practices while interacting with the users to understand the problem on a deeper level to know more about this theme in this episode we interact with azmina poddar design studio head apac at boston consulting group with over two decades of experience ranging from design consulting design strategy and visual communication she has held positions such as director of visual and branding and creative head of several enterprising design studios and that's why on our journey of discovering designering we talked to her about endearing empathy hey hello asmina welcome to avantika designering podcast series it's a honor and pleasure to host you on our show today Thank you Rohit it's a new uh, i would say it's an honor for me also to be here today with the team and thank you for having this podcast super so as our ice breaking question through their clients and their customers designers like you have a unique relationship you listen to each other and figure out what the customer really wants how do you develop trust empathy integrity and consumer communication to ensure that everyone is unified in the task of improving the experience so as you rightly said you know trust trust is a very important factor as a designer to establish between clients and customers yeah and this trust does not come with like you know over like i've been just listening to them or i'm delivering to their deadlines it comes through active listening and it comes through actually establishing that relationship and i would say as a designer you have to keep it real you cannot give them industry jargons you cannot give them oh you do not know and i'll let you know or i'll teach you it should be it's more like a shared journey between your clients and customers and it is that relationship which you build over the time while working on a project or while developing a product and that is what that is what the key crux is about having that uh, communication between your clients and customers wow that's beautifully and uh, well put by you uh, asmina in fact uh, you know moving forward having more than two decades of experience in design consultancy design planning and visual communication you've also held positions such as visual and branding management and creative head 
of many enterprising design studios. The question that I have for you is, can you take us through your professional journey? Absolutely. So I would say at heart and at my education, I'm an artist. Okay, I graduated from JJ School of Fine Art and I was it was all about painting canvases. But soon I would say at that time technology was catching up, there were computers all around us and there were these little, little classes which were springing up with design in it. Okay, and the design bug caught me and I realized that art was all about asking questions, but design was all about giving answers. And I like giving answers rather than provoking people with questions. So I shifted more towards design and technology rather than art. Okay, and I would say that my career has been uh, like I've uh, it's it's been varied. I would say I started with uh, painting, movie editing, then I got into branding, then I got into space design, I got into technology, user experience, and today I'm leading design studios. So I would say it was always trying to keep abreast with technology and what's happening new in the world. Yeah, so I always felt like I always saw what's coming up new and I always tried to catch up. And that's what I did. I tried to do the catch up game. Well, that's that's really beautifully put by you. In fact, uh, you know, uh, what was beautiful to see is that, you know, you've had this varied kind of uh, experience, really interesting and different things uh, done, which are not necessarily connected with each other. And, and and that's woven into something which is so beautiful. In fact, you've also been an entrepreneur uh, in past in your career. How has the experience of being an entrepreneur shaped your career and you as a professional itself? Yeah, so I would say being an entrepreneur was very, very interesting and it was very exciting. Like everybody wants to feel like, oh, like I was an entrepreneur before the startup world. So that was a time when you felt, oh, I want to do something of my own and I don't want to listen to clients. I don't want to listen to my bosses uh, like we do and come up with my own studio. So that's exactly what I did. You know, I came up with my studio and then I realized that the two answers which we always try to figure out, you know, as designers, that the client is always right and the deadline is yesterday. <laughs> yeah. And as entrepreneur, I realized that, yes, the client is always right and the deadline is always yesterday. <laughs> So to be very honest, I would say that as an entrepreneur, I understood the business side of the design part of it, you know, as to why and why and how the client wants it in a particular way. Or actually, the client is equally passionate than you, you know, when he's asking for a product or a service. So you have to listen to your client and you have to make sure that the person is putting money on the table and you need to try and reason it out with them rather than, you know, saying, oh, you probably don't know or like I know better. But trust me, as an entrepreneur, I learned how businesses work, how money is churned and how you put those salaries on table. And for that, trust me, you sometimes have to do odd jobs also and every time you do not have an oscar nominated project so i would say uh i would say being an entrepreneur made it real for me as a designer you know and i try to understand the business side of it and why the client is always asking for things because they're equally passionate about the product probably they might not know what's good for them but they're really really passionate about it and you have to ride that passion wave with them well, wow, that's an interesting thought process. In fact, as we know, I've been curious about um, something right since the time we decided to do this podcast. And, uh, you know, for someone like me who has come from the management background, for me, 
uh, I've studied the BCG matrix um, in my B school. And, um, you know, I've always seen it as um, a business consulting company. Where does Design Studio come in picture? And can you share with us more about the Design Studio? And what does your team really execute at, at BCG? So I would say definitely I cannot divulge a lot of things what Design Studio does because of the IP and the security reasons. But I can definitely give you an overview of what Design Studios does in BCG. So I would say this is Design Studio is a pretty nascent, uh, it's a new idea uh, within BCG. I would say we're just a year and a half old uh, theoretically or practically. Uh, we started three years back, but that was just the germination of an idea. And these design studios basically cater to all the design thought partnership that is required in BCG. So ideally, we would say like in the design studio, we have all the 360 degrees approach to design, which is we start from the basic PPTs to videos, to digital, to augmented experiences, to data visualization and storytelling. And at the heart of it is that we are the design partners for our BCG consultants, and we help them with impactful storytelling. You know, and these storytelling abilities actually help the case teams to go with their stories to our clients. So we say that definitely we come with various different uh, industry experiences also. We have UX design, we have digital, uh, we have playing graphic, all of that. And I, and I feel that, you know, it is all about the art of storytelling and giving that impactful story to your clients. And for that, definitely you need all the facets of design. And that's the reason we've just started with Design Studios. Wow, this sounds really interesting. In fact, it, it 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 sounds like you know the entire thing coming full circle, where you understand uh, the business, you understand the challenges, you you know you consult clients in terms of how to uh, you know what what really is the problem, and with with maybe a design studio, you are also trying to address the how part of it. Am I right? Absolutely. So that that's exactly where you know it's like we. Sometimes I remember like in my past organization, it was all very theoretical or probably it was just in the PPT. But now we used to have, we have live demos, we have live prototypes, we have live experiences to give them, you know, and that's, that's exactly where you make the story come alive for your clients and then giving them that firsthand experience. Super. And while you were talking about, you know, pitching to clients and giving them presentation, my next question comes from the entire concept of storytelling. In fact, storytelling is a key characteristic of a strong designer. It is deeply rooted in structure, rhythm, and emotion. However, varies dramatically in personal style. The question that I have for you is, how can we use storytelling to articulate the expression of design decisions and values to our consumers or the stakeholders? Yeah, so as you rightly call it out, storytelling is the solution of every design solution, I would say. And if it's empathy, if it's peppered with empathy, it's one of the best phenomena that could come out. Okay, I'll give you a great example where storytelling absolutely took a different form in one of our pitches. This was one in my past organization where we had a very high-end client come in and we had a team working day and night for a presentation. And in that presentation, we were supposed to call out pain points and show the customer journey and then show the solution. 
And it was almost like midnight and the team comes to me and says, Asmina, tomorrow morning we have this presentation and we're running out of time. We really don't have the time to create any journey maps, visual journey maps, or create any presentation. How do we go about doing this with the client? Because we were just busy making a lot of other things and we forgot the story, you know, and forgot the customer journey. And that's exactly where I said, okay, fine. We know what the customer journey is. We know what the pain point is. Let's just dramatize it. And trust me, in the boardroom, we had like, I would say like 50 odd people sitting there. And we had this entire team go out and enact the story. Okay. Enact the entire customer journey, highlighting the pain points and then showing the solution. Trust me, that was the day I would say the entire organization, the clients, everybody remembered it. Okay, and they were like taken aback with the story and they found the solution so enriching and they felt that no, this is exactly the solution we want to bring about in us in our team and in our organization. So I would say storytelling is the crux of any solution. And the way you presented it, the way you properly showcase it to people, that's the way and the amount of empathy. It's basically how they relate to it. So I would say uh, it's a good mixture of all emotions coming together when you're doing the art of storytelling, especially as your solution. And I would say there's no hit formula there. If you make it relatable, if you make it real, and if if your personas are crafted really well, it's just going to go and hit the mark. Hey, did you know BCG was rated a best company for women or best consulting company? for women in 2020 as determined by anonymous reviews left on Fairy God Boss. Wow, interesting. I'm sure that uh, the entire uh, demonstration would have been much more impactful, uh, you know, for the client to understand the the solution bit rather than, you know, just making a PowerPoint presentation. So that's, that's an excellent idea. In fact, as we know, what's really interesting about our conversation is right since we start, you've been using the word technology. And as the internet becomes more image and animation oriented, the dependence on illustrations to fill the white space and add character to their apps and web pages has also grown. In fact, uh, it has emerged as simple, scalable tool for many companies, including like, say, uh, Facebook. The question that I have is, how does a particular aesthetic achieve a global presence quickly? And how can designers utilize this as an advantage? Yeah, so once you mention Facebook, like that's a little dicey. (laughs) Because uh, we talk about internet, we talk about engaging people, we talk about filling voids, basically. So I would say uh, you really don't have to fill voids or you don't really have to fill empty spaces with jargon. You know, a random imagery or a random messaging absolutely never works. You know, so I've seen like sometimes, you know, you really have these fancy apps and you have these illustrations force fitted. I'm like, does even this illustration make any sense? It doesn't sometimes. And you're just trying to fill up that real estate to make it look pretty. So trust me, make it more and more relevant, make it more and more towards your story and towards your messaging. What is it that messaging you're trying to say is what you need to do, okay? And today I would say when you're talking about Facebook, you persuasive design is very good, but you have to make it more humane than human. 
you know we're not trying to persuade humans here to more clicks or more excitement but you have to make it more human and you know absolutely necessary i have seen sometimes like we talk about animations or videos or illustrations but i've sometimes seen seen that typography has just made a great story you know i have i have seen i've come across websites i'm talking about 5 years back where typography played an important role where typography just set the message and it made the person read and engage with the uh, i would say the portal so i would say uh, don't try and get into a trend and try to pick it up and just because everybody is using illustrations you should use it just because everybody is using a video you should use it try and understand what is the message you are trying to say what is it you are trying to reach out to and what is that emotion which you are trying to connect to your audience with that is important and once you understand that emotion then i would say the medium does not count wow very beautifully uh, put together you know i i have a question here as we nice can you talk to us about a product about um, a service or 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 a platform that you've come across which has used all of these things in a very beautiful way and an example that really excites you and catches your attention i would say a product uh, which i would say uh, if you can uh, identify uh, i would say the the coke video uh, i'm sure everybody must have seen the middle east coke video where the crown turns into currency and gives a person a call uh have you guys seen that coke video oh yes absolutely it's a beautiful campaign yeah so i would just say that's more than enough it just related it gave the right message it did not it did not ask you to drink coke it did not ask you to go buy that bottle of coke or say that oh, coke is wonderful no it understood it tried to understand the pain point it created coke a currency indefinitely like it's a sub subliminally the person is going to go buy a coke bottle you know to get that crown as currency and it it did the charm right so it is exactly if you start thinking and if you start understanding what's the emotion you're trying to capture and what is the need you're trying to fulfill i'm sure the story will fall in place absolutely in fact coke has been my favorite um, example in classroom and multiple campaigns whether it was the uh, yeah. friendship um, uh, you know the bottle opening campaign whether it is the last customer campaign they've just gone out and so beautifully involved the customers in their communication and uh, so beautifully actually communicating their positioning in terms of how uh, coca cola helps in spreading happiness around around you Yeah, so they stuck by the I would say the brand word like opening happiness, right? And that's exactly what they did. You know, they forgot that you know I'm selling Coke. I, I did not need any celebrities to sell their Coke. So it's that simple. Interesting. Asmina, breakthroughs come from reimagining problems and not from creating an incrementally better solution to a well understood challenge. In fact, it's important. Um, to discover the underlying why of consumer behavior and not just focus on the what part of it the question that i have for you is how can designers look at the challenges differently to find out the real motivators of consumer behavior 
I would say empathy, empathy, and empathy. <laughs> okay, uh, empathy is a huge word. Uh, it's I would say people can take it very easily also, but it's it's all about empathy. And I would say just segueing from the Coke example, there are many more such examples on YouTube. If you see, there's a uh, there's a group of called Fun Theory. Even they have come up with some amazing projects where they have just identified the problem and then gone ahead and created solutions. Like I, I don't know whether if you know about the fun theory where they use the staircase as a piano oh yes absolutely in fact it's a campaign yeah. supported by volkswagen yes absolutely so i would say uh, that's again like uh, i would say the i i just love those videos especially where they've used the i would say the signal as a way to make people uh, put uh, garbage in the bin or use the staircase and all of this is exactly where you get into the consumer behavior and the real motivators you know and it's empathy i would say empathy is a very uh, um, easy word to understand oh i empathize with you but it's not that you actually need to go and do that grounds research you have to go and talk to people you need to listen to them you need to understand what they have i've often come across like you know uh, i do have a lot of designers in my team and when i've asked them to do say personas or journey maps at times they've come with their own biases and they've come up like the first draft would always be a biased draft you know where they've hypothetically created personas because they don't have the time to go to the ground and research and what they do is okay this is my persona and this these are the pain points this is the character this is the needs this is aspirations i get oh okay fine and then when you go into the journey map and you realize that all the problems are listed in the journey map you know so you've tried to ideate so much that you've put in so many pain points in that person's journey that it does not look real you know so to just actually get to the consumer behavior you really need to do that ground service you really need to go on that ground talk to people and understand the issues and the issues are not very too many you know trust me there might be one or two pain points which they are talking about and that needs to be taken care of and when you hear several such pain points and when you culminate into a big problem that that is a problem you need to solve you do not need to solve each and every problem on each and every pain point and um, that is something which you really really need to listen really need to go and actively talk to real people and not come up with biased or hypothetical or researched google uh, i would say personas well that's a really interesting uh, thought asmina in fact i've been teaching marketing since uh, so many years and we've been talking about consumer behavior but you know it's it's very interesting and exciting to know that hey uh, the word empathy which is right at the heart of it isn't defined in in the consumer behavior books in fact the question that i have for you before we proceed ahead is how would you define empathy as I would say empathy is not something which I uh, start relating it to my problem. You know, empathy is active listening, is what I would say. You know, I I came across like there was a project which I was doing uh, a couple of years back, where I went all of we actually the uh, bunch of our designers went all across India. You know, we went to various states in India, and since I my like I understand Gujarati, I'd gone to Gujarat. okay and we were like we were we were like all bobbing up with a lot of ideas oh we should do this we should do that we've got a great project we've got a great brand we should just change the world for them and all of that 
when I actually went and spoke to people, they were like, it was a telecom guy, you know, a telecom client. And the person, the, the people were not bothered about neither the service, neither the network. They were just bothered about, can I get a 40 rupee recharge? Okay. And we were like, seriously? You know, and then we went to another person and I was like, can I get a 20 rupee recharge? You know, so this, this, this was a telecom guy, company which I was working with. And we realized that, oh, shit, we were talking about changing the world and changing the plans and changing everything for them, increasing bandwidth, this, that. All they are asking is a recharge, which is of a lower value. Okay. And that's exactly where I say empathize the right way. If you just listen to them, your empathy would be right. Yeah, don't come with ideas to impress or don't come with ideas to push in, you know, through the solution. Just listen and solution and that would take care of things. Wow, that's beautiful way of expressing this uh, with an apt example. In fact, moving ahead, uh, as we know, design is an integral part of every domain, banking, healthcare, media, and, and, and the list can go on. Designers have always pushed the profession into more humanitarian causes by using design thinking to solve various problems, including social issues as well. They have started to abandon commercial work to do projects that help humanity. What are your views on this? And do you see this as an evolving trend? I would say, uh, yes, absolutely. I would say an evolving trend, uh, I I wouldn't, probably comment on that because I don't know how the technology moves, how the world moves and how the economy moves. But at a personal level is the most gratifying thing to do. Like if I can create impact at the grassroots level or at a social level where I see people's lives changing within the society which I'm living in, that's the most gratifying thing. You know, and today it's it's all about experience economy. It's all about circular economy, how each one starts feeding into each one and benefiting each one. You know, so I would say uh, a lot of people are not fan of circular economy, but I feel circular economy is what the Swiggies and Zomatos and all of them are doing, right? And that's exactly where I would say that, yes, socially, it's great. Like, you know, you're helping humanity at a social level. But a very, very commercial app like Swiggy is also helping humanity at level, you know. So sometimes I would say there is a, even if it's something commercial attached to it, look at, try and see how, I would say there is, you know, there is a, in human-centered design, there is something called, you know, whom are you displacing, whom are you benefiting, right? So there are these concepts which you use when you're design thinking at that level, you know, so I would say at every level when you are designing, even it can be banking, healthcare, media, whatever you're doing, you know, try and see who are the people who are going to get displaced out of it and how are the, who are the people who are going to benefit out of it, okay? And if you have that, that balance in your head, you know, be it social, be it humanity, just try to make sure that there's a balance there, you know? And if you're creating a solution, try and keep it, I would say, equal. In fact, Azmina, I just wanted to bring another angle to you. Does this question also arise because today we are talking about purpose-driven brands? In fact, purpose being the most important P of, uh, you know, the four P's of marketing? I would say every brand should have a purpose, right? So I, I don't understand which brand would not want to have that. So I would say, which brand would say I'm not purpose driven? So I would say absolutely every brand should have their purpose and every brand should have a give back to the society from whom we are benefiting. 
And yeah, it should be, yeah, I would say it should be the fundamental of every brand, you know, and that's how the world should move because yes, trust me, we're not getting into a better world anymore with the global warming and the way the things are going. So it's better that we take few steps back and think back and do something back for the society. Absolutely. And the pandemic showed this to us in a beautiful way. Absolutely. That was like, I would say it was a pause for everybody to think. So I I call it the pause for a cause. Hey, did you know BCG is ranked number one on Walt's list of the best consulting firms to work for in Asia Pacific? (laughs) In fact, uh, moving ahead, Asmina, the pace of the marketplace and consumer expectations are rising emphasizing instant gratification and increased personalization as well. Yet, the heritage, predictability, and ideology of the brand remain the same. The question that I have is, how can we manage a brand with the agility and flexibility to deliver an exceptional experience when the brand management capabilities evolve at a completely different pace? Uh, I would just say that, uh, you know, because uh, it's very simple, you know, I would say uh, your last best experience is what you're expecting out of all of your other, uh, I would say, experiences, you know, so I would say like, if I've had a great experience from say, a particular brand, I'm expecting the same experiences from everybody. Right. And that becomes my benchmark. So it's like an ever evolving thing where you know you have to constantly keep abreast with competition you have to keep abreast with the type of experiences the other brands are giving and trying to create better and better and better but it's a mad chase trust me you know so emphasizing on instant gratification or personalization uh, i would again say and i'll reiterate myself it's about being relevant okay so what is your brand how relevant are you and at what level are you going to touch a code with your consumers? Okay. And what is it that you're going to touch codes? Like today, just getting things viral, just making news, uh, how long and how far will it be lived is what I'm trying to uh, understand here. So yes, viral things are great. Uh, gives an instant understanding, instant uh, brand recall value. But then I'll remember only Mona Singh and probably I might not remember the product also. So I would say, okay, I would just say that don't get into creating viral things because I, trust me, I've created a lot of viral videos when I used to do digital marketing, okay? And people have ex- remembered the story, but people have forgotten the product. Personalization also, I would say personalization, gratification, like I would say cred. Cred is a great example where, you know, I got excited, I downloaded the app, Two days, I felt really great. Okay, it was personalized. My credit cards were getting paid. Oh, I was getting some money back. Uh, there was a lot of gamification happening there. And I was like hooked on for two days. Third day, I went back to my comfort zone. Yeah, so I would say it started feeling useless to me. I, I, this is my experience. I'm not belittling the brand. It's doing some great work. A lot of people are absolutely loving it. But I felt like, yeah, it's another game. It's another five points more. And might as well just go to bank and pay my credit card. You know, so I would say it depends how much personalization is good and how much gamification is good. And is it absolutely required? Absolutely. In fact, well said in terms of how do we engage with a brand? How how high is the brand recall? Very beautifully put by you. 
In fact, moving ahead, Asmina, differentiation is a synonym of design and design strategy helps in achieving differentiation. It diverges substantially exploring all kinds of ideas and then brings analytical tools to evaluate the potential of the ideas created. How can designers define intertwined experiences between brands and peers to deliver memorable moments for the end user? Now, that's a tricky one, you know, uh, I would say, uh, because I would say you, you're talking about a lot of stakeholders here. Yeah. And uh, I would say, how do you bring in, when you're talking about diverging and converging of ideas, I would say you definitely need to bring in, uh, uh, you know, a lot of stakeholders when you're actually creating those solutions. You know, you have to bring in all the stakeholders together and create that feasibility and impact, typically what you do in design thinking, you know, and also see these ideas which I'm coming up with, how feasible, how impactful they are from various stakeholder perspectives. You know, it could be just a regular consumer to the IT guy, to the backend guy, to the CEO, to the marketing officers, to the CFO, to CMO, all of them. So ideally what we do is when we do design thinking and we try to create and craft experiences, we definitely want to have a lot of stakeholders there. Because when you're doing their ideation sessions, you definitely have like, you know, a bundle of ideas, some really crazy and some really practical and some very low hanging fruits, which you can immediately implement. So I would say that feasibility and the impact uh, grid, which you typically try to create with all the stakeholders together and getting all of their alignments together when you're creating that solution is absolutely important. Yeah, I've seen that, you know, I come up with great ideas, but sometimes I go to the IT guy and says, oh, sorry, this is not possible. You know, because our backend is structured like this and we are sitting on this platform and the server restrictions are these. So your ideas go all go for a toss. Right. So I would say like when you're ideating and when you're in those design thinking sessions, make sure you have all your stakeholders and the right stakeholders. Absolutely. And in fact, while you were talking about the IT guy, my next question comes from there. Design has continually bridged the divide between business and technologies such as artificial intelligence, blockchain, machine learning and so many others. How do we merge technological viability, design sensitivity, and organization planning to innovate something extraordinary. That's exactly what I just said. You know, you just need to bring all your stakeholders there. Okay, I would say that, yes, AI, blockchain, machine learning, these are all fancy words and which we all use it. But it's all about, like, where did machine learning come from? Machine learning came up from the various ideas which we wanted. We've always felt... Like, I hope there was something which you could track this and would can monitor this. And there, you made machine learning, you know. Where did blockchain come from? Can I know the story behind how the entire journey was? And that's where your blockchain came up with. And what was AI? AI was just being intuitive, right? So I would say AI, blockchain, machine learning, all are these things which were embedded and great within us. And these came up with various design thinking, I would say, not just with design thinking, but various uh, needs which we wanted. And we started crafting solutions for those needs. And exactly when you're saying the technology viability, design sensitivity, organizational planning and innovative something, or like, you know, innovating something extraordinary, it's all would culminate when you have all the stakeholders together and working towards that big idea. 
In fact, my you know extended bit to that question, uh, Azmina, is what are the most desired skills one must have to compete with these technologies? <laughs> to be very honest, I'll be very. I'll come back to the word empathy. Okay, uh, machines are dumb. Machines are only churning out things which is fed inside. Okay, today AI or blockchain or machine learning, where did it spring from? It came from our needs, our pain points, and because of our pain points, we started creating those algorithms and we started creating those solutions. And where did these pain points come from? Because I had empathy and I wanted to create something out of it. So I would say. you just have to be a guy or a go, a person who's deeply enrooted with empathy i would say and somebody who understands the solution the problem like has a good listening ear listens tries to ideate and yeah if you have that sensitivity and if you're just not robotic you know you have to have that i would say that sense you know and that is something which you need you know i would say the sensorial you have to be more sensorial than solution oriented and you need to have empathy and that's the biggest plus we have we have brains they don't wow and that is um, a a solid lead towards you know my last question uh, asvina is we coined the term designering at avantika university which is our base ideology that we operate on the blended approach of design as well as engineering the question that i have is where do you see design and technology blend in your field and your processes i would say design engineering is a fantastic word i already told you you need to definitely trademark it because i absolutely fell in love with the word design engineering and i would say it's not something where i would start using it it has been used forever it is just that now we are defining it okay there is something like i just give an example like there was something called a web designer long back and the web designer did everything from ux to ui to development okay everything front end everything was taken care by that web designer and slowly people started creating demarcations okay this is ux this is ui this is interaction and this is front end and that's where you know you had your various divisions as a design engineering has always been happening there was always i would say what was design it was engineering it was solution engineering you know and that's exactly what was happening and it's just like now we are defining it and we are at a stage where we are saying that yes engineering and design is married together but it was always married yeah technology was always the base of design yeah and i would say i'm talking about design which is digital and technology was always there from i would say i, I don't know I, i'm talking about anything you pick up a product you pick up a service it was always with technology so i feel that engineers are designers and designers are engineers it is just that some chose to go deeper into another science and some chose going in another science like you know the, the front end part of the science and the back end part of the science but at the helm of it i would say it's always each one is an engineer or each one is a designer wow that's a beautiful uh, conversation asmina how i wish we could continue this conversation for longer it is one of my most meaningful experiences while recording the podcast thank you so much for doing this with us and i would say thank you for making me think with these questions you know often you know in your day to day rut 
you're so caught up with your work and your staff and your management and your leadership and all of that. Asking these thought-provoking questions actually made me think back and also, you know, reflect that, you know, what's the journey of a designer? What's the purpose of a designer? And how, you know, one could probably grow. So I would say thank you for your time and making me part of this journey. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey there, we hope you enjoyed our show. Do write to us on ads at the rate avantika.edu.in. We look forward to your opinions, feedbacks and suggestions of speakers you would like us to host on this show. Do tune in our channel next week on Wednesday for a new story on Hub Hopper or wherever you get your podcast from. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter. Thank you.